This is my father's world. After John was bitten, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come for the kingdom of God in his As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. This is my father's world. fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. The beginning of a new kingdom, a new era, a whole 
fresh new creation in relationship to God. And what does Jesus do? He goes and recruits a few uneducated, illiterate fishermen. One commentator puts it this way. God's kingdom begins, big trumpet, Jesus wandering by the sea, bidding some common laborers to accompany him on a mission. The world seems very much intact. Why would he do this? What an odd beginning to something as majestic and triumphant as introducing the new kingdom of God. He's the king. He is Lord of all. A new space is opening up in the world, a new kingdom, a new realm. And Jesus could have put anything he wanted into that new kingdom, that new space. Why fishermen? What's he up to? I actually didn't know for a long time. I heard a sermon on this um, when I was in the, in the city. And it made a point that I had never considered. I mean, after all, you read the Bible, the disciples are fishermen, it just seems, you just accept it. But the sermon pointed out just what a radical change this was. There's a, a definite decision by Jesus to make a point here. If we remember the biblical story, the Old Testament is all in the desert. When God saves Israel, when he brings Israel to Mount Sinai and creates this new holy nation with the laws that he gives on Mount Sinai, he sends them into the desert. Israel wanders for 40 years in the desert. When John the Baptist calls people to repent, he calls them out into the desert. When Jesus was tested and tempted to explore his humanity, it happened in the desert. 40 days without food, without water. For an Israelite, the desert is where you meet God. The desert is the realm where God shows up. So why fishermen? It seems like a radical change. In fact, we kind of underestimate how radical it was because in the early days of the Christian church, the symbol of Christianity was not the cross. It was a fish. The Greek word for fish is ichthu, and that was used by Christians as a password because each Greek letter of that Greek word stood for this phrase, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. That was how Christians, when they were being persecuted, communicated with each other. And they had a symbol. If you're being persecuted, you have to have a code. You have to have a way of identifying people who are like you. And so casually, if you were talking to somebody with the toe of your sandal, you would put a curve in the sand. And if they were a Christian, they would put another curve in the sand. And that would create the symbol of a fish. You've seen it on the back of so many bumpers in America. That's the Christian password. That's the Christian code. Fish means I'm a Christian. What is this symbol all about? Why such a symbol for desert people? Well, think of what is being represented here with fishermen. And by the way, I, I'm convinced that this is Jesus laying down a sort of living parable. It's a grand metaphor, but I think it's more 
of a, a powerful witness to the reality of becoming a Christian. In the Semitic world, in the Semitic, Semitic imagination, the sea, water, was a bad thing. It's a symbol of chaos. If you go to the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, when God creates heaven and earth, the earth is formless, a void, and a spirit, the spirit of God, hovers over the dark, formless, chaotic waters of the deep. And it's only when the spirit begins to shape and create that the waters and the chaos are transformed into land as he separates out the elements of creation. The flood, God's judgment, was a great flooding event. In fact, there are echoes of that in our baptism. The baptismal water is passing through judgment into this new kingdom of light. In the book of Revelation, to my horror, when I became a Christian, I discovered that in the new heavens and earth, there will be no sea. Now, the way I rationalize that is I see that as a metaphor to be there'll be no chaos. There'll be no disorder in heaven. It will be ruled by Jesus as Lord and everything will be beautiful. But the point is, sea represents chaos, darkness, judgment, a foreign alien realm. So what does it mean that Jesus called fishermen? Well, where do fishermen work? They work in a boundary. The boundary between light and air and sunshine. Long sight lines, clarity, transparency. And the water. The kingdom of the seas. Chaos, darkness, cold, murky, turbulent, filled with weird currents and tides. That's where the fishermen live. Oftentimes, and you'll know this if you've ever been out there, you get seasick on that boundary. It's a dangerous place to go to. And what are they doing, the fishermen out there? They're pulling the catch from one kingdom into another. From this chaotic realm of darkness, this murky, cold kingdom of the sea, into the light, into the air, into the transparency. Paul puts it beautifully in his letter to the Colossian church. God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. So we see here in this metaphor, in this parable, the idea that to become a Christian or to be an evangelist who, who calls other people to be Christians, you're really pulling them from this, this kingdom, this realm of darkness, disorder, cold, murky chaos, into God's kingdom the kingdom of light, the kingdom of warmth and sunshine. And that's the primary element that Jesus is communicating here. He is showing us that the church and Christians, when they share their faith, are like fishermen, fishers of men. And that the Christian church is that new realm, that new space, where people pass from disorder and chaos and darkness, death, into light and sunshine and warmth. And that that's the primary way that Jesus wants us to think about it. 
We are to be like fishermen. We are to live on that boundary. And our job is to bring people across that boundary, to bring people into the kingdom of light. So what are some implications of that? What does that mean for us? Well, if you've ever met a fisherman, you know that many of them are lunatics and maniacs because they're obsessed with fish. A friend of mine uh, took me out uh, one January day at 4 o'clock in the morning to Jones Beach, completely deserted, 4 a.m. on January. Of course it's deserted. It was so cold and miserable. We were wind-blasted. It was spraying the air from the waves. We went out onto one of those piers of rocks, clambering across these greasy, slippery rocks. I thought, we're mad. And then we started catching fish, and it was the most exciting sunrise that I've ever experienced. It was amazing. But of course, we are lunatics by ourselves on January 4 a.m. in the morning. That's what fishermen do. They go where the fish are. They put up with all kinds of craziness because they're obsessed with where the fish are. Think about Jesus and what he did for us coming into our realm, searching for us when we're lost in the darkness, becoming like us so that he could bring us home, so he could bring us across that boundary. But life in that boundary is hard, and many Christians don't spend much time there when they become Christians. It's no accident that the most effective evangelists tend to be brand-new Christians because they've only just crossed that boundary. They remember what life was like before. They still have relationships and friends who live on the other side of the boundary. To be an evangelist, you need to love people who are on the other side of that boundary. People who don't believe the same things that you do. You've got to be obsessed with them. Not just love them in a kind of abstract way, but personally and individually. Of course, there's, very, there's many different kinds of fishermen, huge trawlers and fishing organizations and individual you know, fly fishing specialists who, do it in a, who fish in the, perhaps the most difficult way you could possibly conceive of catching fish. They're all different ways of being a fisherman. But the point is, you have to be where the fish are, you have to be at the boundary, and you have to care to put up with all the inconvenience I have been fly fishing with a person in this room who I will not mention, and we have been on rivers where the mosquitoes were so thick that you would run in any other circumstance. 100% deep didn't do anything to them. Yet there were fish there, and so we stayed. And I'm not sure if we're miserable or if we're very happy, but there we were in our mania. To be a fisherman is difficult, and you've got to be there. Now, there are two problems with being a fisherman. You love the fish, sure, but they don't necessarily love you. They try to escape. I was part of a a ministry, um, a Russian church out, actually very close to Jones Beach. There was a a lot of immigrants in the 90s uh, from uh, Russia. Russian Jews were coming over. And they had a very different idea about Judaism. And when they first came to America, a group of them formed a church. And the church grew very rapidly. 
And it caused consternation amongst the Jewish community of um, New York that somehow these Russian Christians were poaching. One of the uh, rabbis actually said that the church was culling our youth, you know, which is an image of death, stealing these young Russian Jews into the church. Now, of course, on one level, he's right. To become a Christian is to die to the world and to become alive to God in Christ. But we have to be very careful when we talk to people about our faith. It is not about condemning or punishing. It is about sharing something that we know and that we love. There's at least three good reasons to talk to non-Christians. To catch the fish, if you will. The first is, if you're a Christian, you know there's something wrong with the world. The book does not end well. If you read the book of Revelation, four horsemen show up. Famine and pestilence, disease and death. In this world, nobody gets out alive. That's a fact that we all know because we're human beings, but the Bible spells out explicitly. Everybody will die, but in Christ we have the possibility of new life. And if we did not share that, we would be like selfish passengers on a sinking ship that did not show where the lifeboats is, didn't show whether, how you could get off the boat, didn't show people how to get help. We have a certain obligation because of what we know to share what we know. And that obligation is the reason that Christ calls us to the water, to that boundary, to the job of fishermen. After all, what did he do? Why was he in our world? Because he heard that call. And out of compassion and goodness, he came into the kingdom of darkness for us. Paul felt that um, obligation. You know, Paul was the great evangelist in the early days of the Christian church. He was the one that went out from Jerusalem and toured around the Mediterranean world to the cities of that world sharing the gospel. And much of the New Testament are his letters to the churches and the Christian communities that he started. He said this when he was writing to the Roman church. I am obligated, both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel, also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone he believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Paul was a Jewish Pharisee. He was at the top of the pole. And yet he left that all, and he went out in the world, a time when the world was tough and travel was hard, to share the gospel. And his harvest was the biggest harvest in history. His harvest was the reason the Christian church spread so quickly and so widely through the Roman world. Do you feel that sense of obligation? It is so easy to slip into the habit of thinking of the church as this comfortable club 
you know, as you just heard, it's, it's nice to be in a church. You have friends. You have a great program for your kids. You meet people. You share the same values. You're supported when things are hard. It's easy to think of this as the safe place until you remember what Jesus did. Went out from the safe place, went out to the boundary, in fact, crossed the boundary, went in the kingdom of darkness to bring more people into the light, into the comfort, into a new relationship with God, a new way of living in the world. Final thought. If the first problem with fish is that they don't want to be caught, the second problem is when you do catch them, they die. It's no, it's no uh, surprise that they would try to run away or swim away. Being caught is not a happy experience. It can be very uncomfortable. It can be bloody and messy. I always remember because it's, it's kind of seared into my, my mind. Uh, when I was about, I must have been about seven, maybe six or eight, I don't know, but somewhere around that time, seven. And we were on a family vacation in Wales where my uh, dad lived growing up. And he took me out in this little dinghy on this turbulent Irish sea to catch fish. And back then, you had these huge uh, schools of mackerel. And he had a long line, had 15 hooks on it with feathers. And he would drop it off the back of the boat as we putted along with this old engine. And when we hit the schools of fish, you'd get five or six or eight fish at a time being caught. So many fish that some of them, they didn't even... Uh, eat the hook. It was just hooked their tails or hooked into them. And I was about seven in the bottom of this boat and he would bring them off and as quickly as he could he would take them off and throw them at me to deal with because he wanted to throw the hooks over and, and catch some more. And I remember the horror and the excitement of it to be in the bottom of a boat in the middle of the... And they're big. You know, it took two hand, my hands back then to hold these suckers. And some of them, they're bleeding, they're trying to bite me, they're like surrounding me, kicking, and he expects me to bash their heads in to quiet them. And I am freaking out, and I don't know whether I was excited with joy or terror or both. Incredible experience, covered in blood and guts, fish eyes, and God knows what, blood in the bottom of the boat. (laughs) And of course, by the time we got in, they're all cleaned up, and my dad had cleaned me up, and we presented a nice bucket of fish to my mom and... uh, my sisters, and they just thought we were cool. But the reality of fishing is blood and guts and eyeballs, and it's horrible. That's the problem for the fish, too. You know, it's something that we often ignore about Christianity, the blood and guts aspect of Christianity. We are not designed to live in this kingdom of light with God. Everywhere that God shows up in the Bible, there is terror. There is fire. There is smoke. The mountains crumble because his holy presence is death to sinful human beings. Just as when you bring the fish out of their natural realm into the light, they die or they begin to die. If we were just brought into the kingdom of light, into the spiritual realm of God, we too would die, consumed by God's wrath. Why doesn't that happen? 
Because Jesus went in the other direction. In him, we are new creations. John puts it this way. He's quoting Jesus. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin, the sort of religious elite. Jesus answered, Sorry, Nicodemus asked, Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. What happened when we baptized Felix just now? Well, externally what happened was we washed him with water. Symbol of passing through death. Symbol of being washed clean. But underneath that symbol is a reality. We receive a new spirit. Remember John the Baptist said, I baptize with water, but one who is coming will baptize with the Holy Spirit. The physical witness of baptism with water is a witness to an internal reality that we are washed clean with the Holy Spirit. And not just washed clean, not just left to get on with it, but given a whole new nature, a brand new spiritual nature that allows us to be in relationship with God, to live in this new spiritual realm. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We become something new, something that did not exist before. Born again, new creations with a new spirit, a fresh identity, and a fresh connection with God. Paul wrote this to the Galatian church. I have been crucified with Christ And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live. There is a death. Our old self does die when we cross from one realm to the other. But we have now a new self, a new creation. We are born again with a fresh spirit. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus Christ leaves the kingdom of light and he enters the kingdom of darkness. He becomes one of us. Why does he do that? To find us, to show us the way home, and to give us a new identity so that we become something fresh. And so when we enter this new kingdom, We know how to breathe and to live. We know how to be in relationship with God again and with each other. That's what the Christian church is. A new people. Holy. A royal priesthood set apart for God's purposes. When we become, when you and I became Christians, 
We were harvested by Christ. And he gave us a whole new way of being in the world. A whole new way of relating to our creator. And he demonstrates the nature of that creator by how he behaved. Gave himself completely. You know, in a moment we're going to this, the Lord's table. How dare we do that? This is God's table, not our table, the Lord's table. If we were to come to this table just on the basis of our old life, our old record, we would face judgment right here. But because of Christ, who's present in the bread and the cup, because he has given us himself a new body, a new spirit, a new identity, a new record, When we come to the table, on his record, we are welcomed. We are safe. It becomes our family table. It's a glimpse of our future. And it all happened because Christ was willing to be a fisherman. Are you a fisherman? Do you stay in your comfort zone? Or are you willing, every now and again, at some risk to yourself, to share your faith with people who don't know Christ. That's what Jesus is calling us to. Remember, this was the foundation of the church. The first, very first people were fishermen. He's teaching us something with that. He's showing us what being a Christian is like and is inviting us to take up that same task, to be fishers of men, to share ourselves, to risk ourselves so that others might be saved. That's Christianity. That's what the church is all about. Let's pray.